When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hi, folks. Welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick. Uh, we're here to continue our That One Play series today. An interesting play. It's actually a no play, but the Ravens called timeout in the 2007 regular season game, December, against the Patriots. Uh, on a fourth and one uh, sneak attempt where, where the, 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 the Patriots would eventually be stopped on the play, but timeout had been called and uh, they replayed fourth and one. To Here to talk about it with me is Dan Vanos. Dan, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Ken. How are you? Life is good. I, I'm uh, I'm living the dream. I, I, 2007, a bad year in a lot of ways for the Baltimore Ravens. Kind of take us through up to this game, what was going on. Sure. This was really an interesting game from that perspective because the Ravens came into the season with high hopes. We've talked a lot about the 06 season and how it's ended. I know many podcasts about that. Mm-hmm. But 07 brought back most of the same team. Unfortunately, things unraveled fairly quickly particularly with injuries around Steve McNair, who ultimately was replaced by by by, uh, by Kyle Bowler, as well as a number of other players, including uh, Todd Heap and, and much of our defensive backfield. So this was a listless Ravens team that came into this game at 4-7 and seven versus a juggernaut Patriots team that had the most efficient offense anyone had ever seen. Yes, 3.37 points per game, better by a substantial amount than even the 2019 Ravens, who are the fifth greatest offense of all time. So uh, this team really stands alone as the as the greatest offense ever, led by uh, R- Randy Moss's big season, of course, uh, that year. Uh, they would go on to lose the Super Bowl to the Giants, which was their first loss. But boy, would it have been sweet that Monday night to to get the win against the Patriots and uh, and stick it to them. Monday night, not Sunday night, right? Monday night. Ah, uh, well, I wasn't look. there physically. I'm trying to remember if it was a Sunday or Monday night game. I remember it being a night game. Well, what we well, you're talking about the well, we're thinking about it. Talk, let's talk about the injuries real quickly. The Ravens secondary had some just terrible players in, in it. I've talked about the secondary many times being the year you don't want to repeat. But Willie Gaston, Corey Ivy played a bunch of different positions inside and outside. Not not your ideal outside corner to say the least. Uh, Martin Pittman, Prude, uh, Winborn all got time that season, and uh, that's not what you want to see. Obviously, the Ravens had some of that in 2021. So recent, more recent fans, you know, can understand it to a limited degree. But this was the year, you know, a really good Ravens team was skewered by the um, of of you know any possibility of real success because of the lack of defensive backs. Yeah, thankfully, I don't remember all those details, but uh, this game certainly sticks out as indicative of it. And one of those names you brought up is going to come up later as as, as one of the culprits here. All right, so back and forth game, highly weather 
impacted with a tremendous amount of wind that night is what I really recall about it. Yeah, and that was really visible. And again, I wasn't there personally. I'm a season ticket holder, and this is the one game that season I missed, unfortunately. Admittedly, I was uh, on a honeymoon in Aruba, surrounded by Patriots fans, unfortunately. But uh, I wish I had been at this game live. It would have been a lot of fun to experience and, until the very end. There you go. And and uh, uh, this, this particular play came after a very big back-and-forth struggle. And uh, it looked like a rocky fight a little bit from the, from the Ravens' point of view, being a big underdog consistently getting off the mat to come back in this game and, and retake the lead against the Pats. Yeah, I, I think it's that's a great point. I mean, I think we were a 19-point home underdog. I don't know if we've ever been that big a home dog. Um, <laughs> <Hope> not. <laughs> and hope never again. Um, but, I, I mean, we did, we did a couple things really well. I mean, given the weather, we ran the ball really effectively. This was a great game for Willis McGahee. Um, and I think our pass defense was really interesting. Um, we did a really good job against Brady, certainly helped by the wind. I think we probably double teamed Randy Moss a lot. I'm sure, Ken, your tape watching will tell you that. And I think we also mixed coverages really well. You could see there were times when Brady didn't know it was coming. And there were other times where um, we were pretty successful. Uh, we had back-to-back sacks late in the fourth quarter, too, where we were able to uh, um, uh, to surprise them in terms of, of blitzing. So I just think both sides of the ball did pretty well, given the personnel. And I think, you know, certainly Patriots Nation was shocked that a team with this pedigree at four and seven was was frankly giving their team fits, and it was yeah. really enjoyable. Yeah, it was it was a terrific game from that perspective. And the Ravens' dime defense, everybody knows what a big fan I am of the dime. Even with the, the incredibly depleted secondary, and think about who might have been on the field, including Jermaine Winborn there at the end of the game. Uh, with the dime, still 28 plays, 112 yards. So they they really, four yards per play, uh, really did a great job against the Ravens with their pass defense, against the Patriots. Uh, absolutely. And again, and, and I mean, I think, Brady completed less than half of his passes, which is which is a tremendous uh, uh, which is a tremendous effort by, by the defense, and again, certainly some some help from the weather. But this was a tie game at halftime. Ravens went up in the third quarter. Um, we ended up uh, with a with a twenty four seventeen lead going into the fourth. Um, the Patriots had a field goal, and then after a couple of punts, with about three minutes left, the Patriots got the ball and were were threatening to come back and win the game. And this is this is the most excruciating series and in, in perhaps Ravens history from my perspective. I mean, we're going to focus on one play, but there are probably three or four plays that all frankly give me, uh, give me brain damage to remember. Yeah. We always want to get everybody's perspective on pain, but this, this wouldn't crack the top 10 for me in terms of the Ravens already being four and seven in the year, but I understand you're, you're, it would have been very nice to win this football game. It would have brought back a lot of what was you know okay about this season. Yeah, it wasn't so much about the importance in terms of the Ravens season. It was more just in a single game, having so many things go wrong in a series was was uh, fairly unprecedented for me. Um, so getting down to the specific play, the, the Patriots are driving. They get the ball uh, to the Ravens' uh, 30-yard line. It's fourth and one, uh, fourth quarter. I think it's a minute 45 left. They need to convert this. If they don't convert, Ravens get the ball back. We're going to win the game. It's over. Mm-hmm. So after the third and nine, um, the Patriots line up to uh, to sneak the ball to get that one yard. Uh, the Ravens, who had been in dime defense for almost this entire series, remained in dime. They did know a sneak was coming. They clearly lined up and stacked the box against it. Um, but even though they stopped the play, it didn't quite work the way we wanted. Yeah, so Dan and I just watched this play again to try and recall what happened. But but the uh, uh, the Ravens were not caught, I don't believe, with their own defense on the field. The previous play went out of bounds. There's plenty of time to make the change to a heavy defense to try and stop a fourth and one sneak. The problem was, 
I don't think the Ravens knew whether the Patriots had made the first down or not. And they'd just been short by not even a yard. It was more like a foot. And so they didn't know whether the first down had been granted yet. The Patriots got to the line of scrimmage in a reasonable amount of time, but not so fast that they would have kept the Ravens from substituting. And then the uh, uh, Ryan still had a dime package on the field. And you don't want a dime package on the field when you're trying to uh, uh, stop a, uh, a sneak. It's not. A, it's certainly not ideal. And so the, uh, that's when Ryan called the, the very controversial timeout. And it was surprising that as Brady snuck the ball, Bart Scott took him down for a loss on that play. Yeah, it, it was whistled dead, but it seemed as though the players reacted very slowly to it. I mean, they ran the play. And you saw Brady, who historically is fantastically efficient at sneaking the ball, saw how stacked the line of scrimmage was, particularly up the middle. He normally goes to the middle, goes to his left, tries to get to the to the side of his left tackle, and, and frankly takes a really hard hit from, from Bart Scott on the play, which, which I can't say I didn't enjoy, but unfortunately is all for naught. Yeah, so uh, uh, that was actually Jermaine Winborn was on that field at inside linebacker on that play, being the the dime back, and and he was actually up crowding the line of scrimmage as one of the guys. So it's not obviously the Ravens did not have ideal size for this play, and and it's it's kind of surprising me that they weren't able to convert. They weren't able to convert, but they weren't. The play was rerun, and then. So and this is where it continues to get excruciating. They line up for fourth and one against our heavy package. And we had this sniffed out very well. This was a handoff to their fullback, Haloti Nada Knifeson from the defensive left side, taking them down for what should have been a two-yard loss and, again, to end the game. But their right guard was off sides, and they lost five yards and got to do it again. So this was an excruciating series to keep seeing us make plays and not be able to, to get off the field. So for, for a false start makes it fourth and six again there. And uh, and then uh, do you want to talk about that play a little bit really quickly because we need to get to the yeah, we kind of have already passed the big play, but in in this on this fourth and sixth play, what happened? Yeah, on the fourth and sixth, they drop back to pass the ball, and I think this is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. I think we, we were in we were certainly in coverage. I think we only rushed three. Um, and Brady saw a gap he was able to uh, to scramble and the the fleet footed Brady uh, ran for twelve yards in the first down on this play after at least from the perspective of a Ravens fan, we'd already stopped them twice on, this, on the same play. Yeah, now Samari Roll had been called for illegal contact on the play, and that was actually enforced as a tack on penalty. So uh, it wouldn't have, it wouldn't have, it would have been a first down no matter what. But then the, the, the Patriots actually, the Ravens got them to fourth down yet again on the, that, on the subsequent four plays. You're right. They, I think they ran for, for first, they ran for five yards on first down, two straight mm-hmm. incompletes to Welker. And then here they were, fourth and five. And, um, they threw a ball over the middle to our our, our later teammate, uh, Ben Watson. The ball was knocked away by the same Jermaine Winborn, who subsequently was 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 called for uh, for for defensive holding, and a first a first down was granted. So that was yet another time where it felt like the uh, the Patriots escaped on a fourth down play, the the third straight, so to speak. Yeah, very much so. And then the very next play, uh, Brady to Gaffney for an eight yard touchdown. What I recall about that play 
is never feeling like he had control of football. He was kind of juggling it as he went out of bounds. Uh, touchdown was called. And after that play, Bart Scott was flagged for consecutive unsportsmanlike flags. So two at two in a row after one after one play. We've seen some very reactive moments from Bart Scott, clearly a very emotional player. Remember the time at Detroit when he threw the official's flag into the stands and some of the other things that have happened. But that drive, miserable in terms of being over-officiated. So, and specifically to that, and that's a play I watched, and I wonder if in today's football that would have been a touchdown. There was definitely some movement of the ball as he was going out of bounds. I don't know that the rules were quite the same or officiated the same then as they are now. Um, I think that would have gotten a lot more scrutiny as to whether he actually had the ball. Now, that said, there were still 50 seconds left. That was a first down play at the eight. They would have had three more shots, but that question, that was questionable. And then you're right. Bart Scott went nuclear, got in the face of the ref, then subsequently picked up the flag and threw it into the stands. So yeah, the successive uh, 15 yarders. And I think, that was also kind of indicative of a team that had kind of been lost uh, by the coaching staff. And I don't want to say it was this game, but this was just part of an overall loss of discipline by this team. Um, and I think we saw it in myriad games that year. Yeah. It, it wasn't the first time it had shown up with Billick. Billick obviously wanted to treat his players like men. And sometimes they just, they, they needed more of a tight leash. Uh, I thought Rex Ryan really brought some of that, but Rex was really a player's coach as well. Um, as being one of those guys. And, and the fact that 05 and 07, the team kind of got off the rails, 05, most notably in that Detroit game where, where they had what the Lions ran like 10 plays inside the 10-yard line on one drive. <laughs> and the, uh, uh, the Ravens uh, uh, committed 21 or 22 penalties that game, which was close to the NFL record. Um, you, know, you, you could see kind of the things unraveling for Billick. Thought he'd recovered, obviously, that great 2006 season when – the personnel was right, and everything was fairly well golden in terms of what was happening. But in 2007, Deshadi did not even plan to fire Billick, but it was really only after walking through the clubhouse, I think, after the year that he realized what had happened and uh, and uh, felt like he had to take action. Yeah. I do want to say that wasn't actually the end of the game. I mean, the Ravens got the ball back with 43 yes, seconds please. left and had a shot. Um, I mean, we drove the ball down the field. We had Kyle Bowler, who, if nothing else, had a tremendous downfield arm. And he threw a Hail Mary, which was caught, I believe, at the two-yard line by Clayton. So we had a shot, but realistically, we were down by three. Um, there were several plays earlier in the game that probably could have fixed that three-point deficit. But for me, that one series with multiple fourth-down conversions and then a disputed touchdown, that to me was, was kind of the – that was like the hallmark of both the game but also the season, but, but also of my relationship with the Patriots, who prior to this game – they weren't really a big Ravens rival. You know, we met them only in the regular season. They were a great team, but not one I spent a lot of time worrying or thinking about. But this, the the utter arrogance of this team and this fan base around, uh, around you know, Tom Brady and, and the expectations around this team and the fact that a very poor Ravens team at the time should have beaten them, this really led to just an utter dislike of this team that I think spawned into a great rivalry over the next the next decade. I really felt it started with this game. Yeah, really, that rivalry was big between about 2009 and 14 when they when they're meeting the playoffs a fair amount, four times, all in New England. Um, nobody else had success playing New England there in the playoffs. The Patriots have an amazing home record at Gillette, but the Ravens are two and two, and the two they won, they beat the crap out of the Patriots. I mean, really embarrassed them at home. Um, the two they lost, they lost were, were very tight games. The 2014, twice losing 14-point leads. 
and in what game I'm missing? 2000 and uh, the AFC title 11, game. 11. AFC title. Yeah. <laughs> we don't even How did talk I forget that. that? Yeah. No, <laughs> I, it's funny. If you talk to Patriots fans, I mean, we're one of the teams they never really liked. Oh, I yeah. mean, we had a shocking level of success with them. And again, I, I realized it was a different team that beat them, you know, in 09 and, and, and in 12. But I really think maybe some of the DNA and confidence against the Patriots likely came in this game. And certainly as a fan, my utter disgust for this team really started with this game. So that was from a personal perspective. But like you said, from a team perspective, I think, number one, it signified we had a lot of talent still on this team. I mean, the defense on this team, the 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 backbone was fantastic. I mean, this was still Ray Lewis, Ed Reed, Haloti Nada, you know, Terrell Suggs, Chris McAllister. This was a great defense. It just needed – it needed a consistent quarterback, and apparently it needed a new coach. And, look, the next year was a huge turnaround. So I think – that was the other thing this game kind of exposed is is what the, you know, kind of what the foundation of this team really was. Yeah, definitely a team that stayed healthy, uh, you know, would have been better even even if they had had that lousy offense. But the, the the one thing about this play that I'm not sure it impacted the decision or not, but a lot of people wanted Rex Ryan to be the head coach after um, Billick. In fact, one of the things that in, incented um, – Bishotti to make the change was hearing players like Ray Lewis saying Rex Ryan was really the head coach of that team. Rex Ryan wasn't chosen to be the head coach of that team in 2008. Uh, it ended up being a very good choice for the Ravens organization. And Rex Ryan has had coaching success other places, but John Harbaugh, you can't argue with his success here. I, I, and the people who do, I, I, I don't have any time for them. Uh, you know, it just, it, you really take some time, really study, look what happened to this Ravens team immediately as soon as he got they, they mark time in the media guide from two different points. Start of 2000 and start of the Harbaugh era. And, and it's, it's, if you look at the Steelers, they mark everything from the Immaculate Reception. Nothing, there is no Steelers history before the Immaculate Reception because it's 40 years of ignominy and, and you know, just horrible play. But, but, but the, uh, the Immaculate Reception starts all the time. Well, for the Ravens, it's, it's either that 2000 season or 2008. But anyway, I, I, I am not completely sure that Ryan's inability to get the right defense on the field and the uh, subsequent timeout that was required um, wasn't a reason why he was not chosen as a head coach in 2008. Uh, yeah, it, it's hard to know exactly what goes in, into Steve Bashotti's head, but I have to think this was, was part of the overall Rex Ryan body of work. All right, Dan, just a pleasure to talk about this game with you. Obviously, not a great memory for all Ravens fans, but a memory we ought to keep as sharp as possible. And I think going through this really cleaned up a lot of my memory about the game, and I, I appreciate you doing it with me. Uh, I know you don't have a Twitter account. Uh, we, we have promised that you'll try and get a Twitter account that you're, you're, you'll use for football and try and uh, respond to people if they have questions they want to ask about the, uh, about the game to you. Uh, but anyway... Obviously, very detailed knowledge of this. Really appreciate you coming on and taking time to, to, to research it so well. You got it. And Ken, thanks for having me. Look, long-time listener, first-time caller. So this is, a, <laughs> this is a good intro. All right. Really appreciate it, Dan. Other folks out there who'd like to be on a, on a That One Play episode, uh, please give me a DM and Twitter. They're always open. Love to hear from you. And like Dan, let's find some new people, some new voices out there who uh, want to uh, tell their story about one particular game. And it can be your perspective on that play. That's what I really want to hear. Dan, thanks again for coming on. You got it. Thanks, Ken. And we'll talk to you next time on Film Stuff.
This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. You just take your shot. It doesn't feel like you're on a diet. What I wasn't expecting it to do was to shut off the food noise. This was life-altering, and if I can do it, I feel like anybody can do it. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com.